Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. The psalmist David said, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. And one generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. I want to know today, has God been faithful to you? If he has, then you ought to give him a shout of praise today. Hallelujah. It is so good to see every one of you here today. We're going to have Grandparents Day again next Sunday. So put it on your calendar. Amen. If you haven't done that yet, why don't you turn to someone near you, shake their hand, smile, like you have a full case of the Holy Ghost, and let them know you're glad to see them in the house of the Lord today. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. What a great privilege to come into the house of the Lord. I hope we never take this opportunity for granted. We may not have it. And uh, we've been through a season where we weren't able to assemble. And there was no greater feeling in all the earth than when we got back together and were able to be in person. And, and I just have a new appreciation for being able to come and worship together. Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you, praise team. Thank you, children. What an awesome. Sister Sarah works with them on a Wednesday night. And then all of those that were involved in preparing the breakfast. Uh, I think Sister Sophia is the one that headed that up. And then all the team that helped her. There were so many. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The food was wonderful, and uh, it was a great atmosphere. Uh, if, if I could preach as half as good as what they've already done, we'll be all right today. I have the, the word of the Lord today for you will be found in the book of Matthew, the 11th chapter, verse number 12, and then we will read from Luke's writing of the same passage, the same teachings, the same things that were said by the Lord in in Luke's accounting. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 12 reads like this. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, 
the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. Let me read it again. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. Let's go to Luke's writings of this same portion of scripture. It is found in the 16th chapter. It is a little different in its wording, but its message is very clear. Luke 16 and 16. Let me get Luke 16. Well, they've got it on the screen. Let's do that. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached. And every man presseth into it. Amen. God bless you for the standing and the reading of the word. You can be seated. When you first read Matthew's recording of these words, it sounds fanatical. It sounds radical. Some would even say that it was to the extreme and even militant. In the carnal age in which we live and in the contemporary interpretation of Scripture, the thinking would be uh, somewhat different than that. And they would make every effort to water down its bluntness and its finality. They would want to take the edge off of it and soften its edges so that it doesn't sound quite as it is written. The kingdom of God suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Like it or not, it is recorded in two forms in the word of God, Matthew and Luke both being the recorders of the words of the Lord. And the Bible says that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. And so uh, it is startling. It is very uh, uh, revealing and it uh, unveils a powerful truth. And it highlights a very important principle that there is a peril of professing something without possessing it. That's what I want to talk about today. The peril of professing without possessing. I want you to look with me at the scripture again and let it unveil its truth to us. I want you to open your mind and your hearts and your eyes as you look at the scripture and 
hopefully you and I can experience before we leave here today what it says in its essence because it highlights a very powerful truth. There is no doubt that when you read this portion of scripture, it seems to accost you. It confronts you. It stops you in your tracks. Uh, it comes up across as being a little too aggressive and too blatant in its wording. But uh, whether you like it or not, it's there. And so it is a truth that needs to be explored and understood. And when you understand it, that truth that it reveals will hound you. And it will remind you of what you have the opportunity to possess. Not just profess, but possess. There is a vast difference between the two. Let's look at the wording that John and or Luke and, and Matthew use. They are very strong words, but they have to be understood in the context in which they were written. First of all, the word violence, that word in itself is very offensive to us. It seems offensive to our consciousness that the Lord would be advocating turmoil and chaos. And that's our interpretation of violence. But the word in the original, in the Greek, is the word biazo, which actually means force. Or to crowd oneself into a place. It literally means that you seize something. It is to take possession by force or eagerness. That's the word that is emphasized. Eagerness. That by eagerness you take hold of something. And you will not let it go. And when you lay hold of it. There is a transforming power that comes with that possession. And so we must understand that this violence that he is talking about has a much broader emphasis than what we would think of. It means that you take something, you snatch it away in eagerness. You lay hands on it. You possess it. It comes from a root word, biazo or bizo, which actually means life. Life in its intensity. Life in its expansiveness. Life in its, uh, in, in its greatness and its grandeur. The broader scope of life. Not just breathing. Not just having a heartbeat. But something beyond just breathing and having a heartbeat. But having a wide open life where you enjoy the blessings of God. So this vibe 
violence that the Lord is talking about is in, in, in our terminology would really be an eagerness and a hunger that is so intense. And what it is hungering for is connected to life. It is connected to the broadness of life. It is connected to all of the expansive things that God had in mind when he said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise. And so Jesus portrays to us in graphic words the intense excitement of individuals who were taking hold of the kingdom. They are letting go of an old law that has dominated their life. An old law that could only bring death to their life. It could not produce life. They are letting go of that old law in order that they might reach out and take hold of the kingdom of God, which is a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So he is saying to them, you have an opportunity to not just profess something, but actually possess what the law was intended to give to you and the life and the reality of what that law represented. Amen. So the words of Matthew and Luke indicate that this was a transformational time in life. That one thing was fading while another thing was coming to the stage. That an old life was receding so that a new and better life might be available. You see, the law could only take them so far. The law could only take them to an altar of death. But the kingdom of God was going to take them past a cross to an empty grave, to a resurrection, to a life that is eternal, to a life that you and I can live right now that is overcoming, that rises above every adversity, that is powerful, that is anointed, and that is blessed, 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 blessed. And so he said, from the days, the word from indicates motion or separation. We are separating ourselves from an old law. An old law that killed me. An old law that condemned me. So that I might reach out to a new kingdom that is life eternal. That I might let go of what is killing me. So that I can embrace what wants to give me life. As I've never known it before. And I'm telling somebody today. God is wanting some of you to let go of an old law that condemns you that tells you you will never measure up you will never be good enough and start reaching out for what God said is available to you in a new life a new life somebody clap your hands with me right now 
He said from the days of John the Baptist until now. Now being a derivative of two words which carries the idea of suspension. One translation says that since then, since that point, a pivotal change, a pivotal moment in life where men are enabled to let go of an old law so that they might reach for a new life. What a moment. What an opportunity to stop just professing something, but actually possessing something. Understanding that those commandments are not done away, but they are explained to me in this new life. And when they are explained to me in this new life, they actually enable me to live the best life. They enable me to live the overcoming life. They enable me to be a better, better man. And so it indicates a shift in an era. There's a change in the environment. There's a change of operation. And that's what had these men who were so tied up to the old law. They had such a hard time with what he was introducing them to. It was hard for them to conceive that there's something better than that old life. Can I tell somebody here today that the devil can tell you that this is the best life you're going to have, just like it is. As miserable, as painful, as messed up, as dysfunctional as it is, he's telling you this is as good as it's going to get. But I've come to tell you that there's an opportunity before every one of you today to reach out for something new, something new, something fresh, something that will bring life into your being. Oh, yes. There needs to be a shift in the attitude we have toward God. Amen. The law and the prophets are giving way to the king of kings and the Lord of lords and his kingdom. And that kingdom is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness. It is peace. It is joy in the Holy Ghost. No longer will there be tablets of stone that control my life. But he said, I will write my law upon the tablet of your heart. I'm going to put it inside of you. So what you could not do, now I'm going to enable you to do what you were not able to leave alone or let go of. He said, I'll help you overcome it. Amen. I must hurry. So this verse to me describes an attitude that you and I must possess to break out of the hold of old things, old thinking, old habits that have held us and checked our life 
They have allowed us, you see, the law would allow you to get so close to God. But you couldn't get any closer. The only one that could get close to him was one man, Moses. And here's the wonderful thing. I shared this with you last Sunday. That when Moses did have an interchange with God, when he came out of that experience, there was such a glow on him that they had to cover his face. And they covered their face because they could not look upon the brightness. That's the transforming power of being in the presence of the Lord. And and he was the only one. But the normal person, they could only come to the edge of the mountain. they could only see the smoke but they could not experience the power that produced the smoke but God said I've come now I've come it's a new era it's a shift in attitude you don't have to live by that law any longer you can come into my presence you can actually come into my throne room come on come on come on The eager, the eager, take it, desperately grasp it because they realize the opportunity, the privilege. This is a new season. Somebody say this is a new season. Come on, I want you to say it like you mean it, not because I ask you to say it, but this, God wants to make this a new season in your life. Now, I'm not talking about just the old law of the tabernacle and all that. I'm talking about an old law in your life that just keeps you tied up. It's a law of condemnation. It's a law of guilt. It's a law of unworthiness. It's a law of sin. It's a law of failure. It's a law of all your mistakes and all the things that you've done wrong. And every time you get so close to God, it tries to pull you back and say, oh no, I have you. You're in my control. But Jesus said, I've come. I've come to break that hole. I've come to give you life. Come on, you can break out of the hole of the old. Yes, you can. You see, the wonderful thing about what I'm talking about is this doesn't have to be somebody else's blessing. This isn't just something that God's going to do for a select group. The priesthood. He said, I'm going to do it for everybody. Anybody. Anybody tired of being held by an old law? Every time you lift your hands, there's a little voice in the background that said, oh, what makes you think you're worthy to do that? If they knew what you just got through doing, if they knew what you had thought, if they knew what you had said, or if they knew your background, if they knew where you came from, if they knew your history. You see, the old law, all it knows is death. Death. That's all it knows. But the kingdom is a kingdom of life. 
I know I've told some of you this, but Thomas Jefferson was somewhat of a quote-unquote a believer. But Thomas Jefferson didn't believe in the miraculous. And so he took his Bible and he cut out every miracle that was in Scripture. It's in the Smithsonian Institute if you would want to see it. And the tragedy of Thomas Jefferson's Bible is it ends at the cross. There is no empty tomb. That's the old that I'm talking about. Those are the limitations that the old puts on you that continually condemns you and tells you you're never going to be worthy enough. You've made too many mistakes in your life. It'll be a joke for you to go to the altar. It's a joke for you to lift your hand. I, you're, you're a hypocrite. You're, you're, a, you're, you're just a, a, a fool to think that you're going to be able to break my hold. I have news for you. The fool is the old. The fool is the one that thinks me, that thinks that I can, that, that, that I cannot reach out. They cannot stop me. Hey, listen to me. If a man with legions of demons now a legion was at least 12,000 and he had legions. If a man with legions of demons the Bible said when Jesus stepped ashore at the gathering area that man with legions of demons started running not away from him but to him and the Bible said he fell and worshipped him I'm just telling you the old law cannot hold on to you if something is birthed in your heart that said hey I've got an opportunity here I've got a privilege of reaching out to something that can change my life and transform me forever This is what the Lord sent me to say to somebody here today, and I'm going to shut up. Whatever law has been holding sway over your life, you have an opportunity this morning to break that by simply reaching out to him. And the devil can't stop you. And the old can't stop you. Now it tried. The Pharisees tried their best to block the way. They didn't want anybody getting to Jesus. But they couldn't keep them from coming. The Bible says multitudes thronged him. They couldn't count the numbers. I'm just telling you, that old law is not as strong as it's trying to convince you it is. It doesn't have the power you think it has. And if you hunger for this, if you want it, you can have it. And the thing was, these old Pharisees and scribes, these righteous people were looking around and watching as the derelicts and the drunkards and the harlots, uh, they were all going around them and making their way in. And the Lord was changing their lives. And he was constructing a new kingdom of righteousness and joy and peace with his Holy Ghost in their life. And that's what he wants to do today. That's what he wants to do this morning. Someone said if God is going to bless, and he is, I am going to be in line for that blessing. That's the way I feel this morning. That God is going to bless. 
And I believe that he is. The reason for their eagerness was that they realized that the gift of God is greater than the death of the law. And they said, I'm tired of living in the darkness of a law that cannot do for me what I need done for me. It cannot change my life. All it does is just keep pushing off the inevitable. Yeah, that's all the law could do. But Jesus said, I'm going to erase that. I'm going to wipe that out so you don't have to drag that into your future. There's nothing more wonderful than that. Somebody needs to say, I'm tired of living under the fear of the law of death. I want life. I want to experience new life. I'm tired of living under the law of doubt. Some of you doubt this morning things about God because life has cluttered your mind and your thinking and it has crowded with all the impossibilities while God is saying, I'm still available. I'm still here. I'm not here just to bless you. I'm here to change your life. I want to tell you something this morning. This is what I need you to understand about me. I've been pretty animated up here today. And the reason I am eager is not because I'm afraid of hell, but it's because I've caught a glimpse of heaven. And I realize I have the opportunity to go there. I have the privilege of being in that group. I don't have to be condemned to that old life. But there is a promise of life eternal. There is a promise that I will live in that wonderful eternity forever with him. I'm not eager because I want to miss hell. I'm eager because I want all that heaven has for me. Come on, stand with me. Hallelujah. It's a new season. I said it's a new season and I feel it. I feel it. I sense it. So whatever law has bound you, it's trumped now by the opportunities of the kingdom. While I was praying last night, we had a good prayer meeting and I want to remind all of you, I want this church to make a commitment. We're going to go back to Saturday night prayer uh, in a consistent form. I want you to commit to at least one Saturday night a month to come and spend time in prayer. From six to eight, you can come and go. We had a great prayer meeting last night. But while I was praying, I felt such a strong move of God and such an emphasis God said I want to give you a hundred soul revival man I I got so excited about a hundred soul revival but as soon as I heard that there was another voice that came quickly and said but how are you going to handle that you can't handle a hundred soul revival what are you going to do with a hundred soul revival and that's the old thinking that has kept us bound We can't handle that. We can't handle God's blessing that he wants. 
So we just have to take this little bit here and a little bit there. And God said, hey, I've got a wide open door for you. I've got a wide open opportunity for you. And the Holy Ghost said to me, how do you prepare for a flood? You can't. I don't care what you do. I tried to pray it out. I tried to put stuff in my mind out there that would say, no, you're not coming any closer. But it didn't just come closer. It came two feet closer. Two feet deep in this old building. You can't control a flood. And God said, that's what I'm wanting to do in this hour. I'm wanting to send a flood. Here's what he said. He said, I want to send the rain and the latter rain. I'm going to send the former rain and the latter rain all at the same time. To me, that denotes some kind of flood activity. And you can't control a flood. And God said, whatever I give you, I will enable you to handle it. I wish I had that emoji they put up. That head, the top of my head just explodes. It's a new season. It's a new season. It's a new opportunity. Hundred, the Lord said, hey, do you think those 12 or 120 were ready for the 3,000 and the 5,000 I was about to pray? Do you think they could contain that? No, they couldn't contain it, but I can. And I enabled them to contain it. And not only that, I enabled them to turn their world upside down. Acts, the people said, these are they that have turned the world upside down. History says that within a matter of a few years, Jerusalem was consumed with the Pentecostal fire that had fallen in the upper room. Yeah. History says that they had to change Paul's guard every five minutes or less because if he stayed longer, Paul would convert him. And they even had saints in Caesar's household. I'm just telling you, God's wanting to do something that's bigger than our mind can do. Let's stop professing it and let's reach out and possess it. Is there anybody here that's ready to reach out for it? Hallelujah. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on, don't stop. Don't stop. Oh, yes. 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 
I'm going to enlarge you on the right. I'm going to enlarge you on the left. I'm going to enlarge you in front. I'm going to enlarge you behind. Come on. Come on, let's see. Let's have some reachers. Let's have some grabbers that will reach. Come on. Eagerness. The violent take it. The eager, the hungry, oh, the desperate.